Welcome to Pullin' Weeds, a podcast of the Carolinas GCSA. We'd like to remind you that the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are solely of those of the people on the podcast and do not reflect the views of the Carolinas Golf Course Superintendents Association or any of its sponsors. Welcome into Pulling Weeds. Recording today from Savannah Lakes Golf Club, McCormick County, South Carolina, with my good friend Chuck Conley. Chuck, how are you? I'm doing great, Jim. How about yourself, buddy? Doing well. Appreciate doing well. you making the trip down. I it, guess uh, where'd you where'd you come in from? Southern California, Polly's <laughs> Island, which. Happens to be a long way from McCormick, South Carolina, but we made it here and we had a fun day. We went over to the the governor's school for agriculture. Um, Tell the listeners a little bit about our day. Well, you know, uh, I've only been here at Savannah Lakes for right at uh, six months and uh, unbeknownst to me when I got here, uh, I still live about an hour and some change away. So my first couple of weeks, I was trying to find a, the quickest, kind of least congested, not that there's a whole lot of congestion around here, but <clears throat> trying to find the fastest way home. So tried several different ways, and one day, lo and behold, I'm driving through the countryside, and I drive by, you know, an old farmland, and uh, come up, and there's this big monstrosity of a sign that says the John Delahoe uh, Governor's School of Agriculture, and kind of piqued my interest. Being a uh, ABAC grad, Abraham Baldwin Agricultural College, I kind of started asking some questions and found out that it's actually a uh, a high school for uh, for kids that are interested in agriculture. And as we found out today, talking with uh, Ms. Kinsley Miller, the uh, director of student uh, direction or, or uh, student affairs, uh, that been there for three years. <clears throat> um, it's a application school, so you have to submit essays and those types of things to make sure that you get in there. And uh, it's kids from all over the state of South Carolina. I think they're trying to have representation from all the counties within the state of South Carolina. They're not there yet, but uh, it seemed really promising. So, uh, and we, uh, they fed us good. Uh, I can tell you right now, now that I know that they got a cafeteria, I might quit eating the Hunts Brothers pizza down here at the convenience store all the time. So, uh, but uh, <clears throat> no, I had a great time. It's always it's always fun to talk to younger adults that uh, are really trying to make a career. I think, by and large, uh, most of the superintendents that you talk to, I'm not saying that all of them, but uh, very few had that goal in life when they were in their teens and even early 20s, a lot of times they, they find out, wow, I can make a career out of this. And, and this is our opportunity to tell these kids that are coming out of high school, you can make a career out of it. So it was a great opportunity. I think, you know, I think the presentation that you brought was uh, was amazing, kind of highlighted a lot of different avenues in agronomy, not just uh, golf course maintenance, but, you know, turf management in general. So uh, it was really good. I thought so. It was. The the cafeteria lunch was a surprise, but a nice one. It never hurts to break bread with everyone, and we didn't know we were getting that, but we did, didn't we? It was good. It, it was. was good. It was excellent. Nice people, and we're going to continue to grow this relationship. Their public direct, uh, public relations director, Tony, was a fellow podcaster, yeah, and yeah. he took us down and showed us his studio and how he's going to use podcast and YouTube to get the message out about the school, because it is new, because yeah. we really wondered why we had never heard of it. And sure. now that we know it was started in 2020, we know why. But yeah. we're going to grow that relationship. So yeah, it's exciting. I mean, and, and you know, we didn't have a lot of questions, but there was uh, definitely some questions. There's uh, Miss Miller did you know, reference that there's a lot of these kids that are ambitious running their own landscape companies. And, and uh, you know, that's definitely some directions. And, you know, unfortunately, uh, Don Garrett wasn't able to join us, uh, you know, with Clemson representation for, you know, the four-year degree, but 
it's nice to have an individual like yourself that, that shows these kids that there's two years and four year programs here in the state of South Carolina. You don't even have to go to South Georgia like I did, but you know, being from Georgia anyway, it made more sense. I wasn't going to go to Ori, Georgetown. <laughs> well done, my man. <laughs> so you uh, flew back in last night from Washington, D.C. You were up there for National Golf Day. You, Mr. Alex Tolbert, were representing the, the Carolinas up there. Um, tell the listeners a little bit about National Golf Day and what, what it's all about. So I looked at this trip as a, uh, a major success because this, this trip I actually caught the flight back home instead of having to rent a minivan and drive through the night to get back home to work. So anytime you can pick up your uh, or get a uh, – Get your flight. It's always good. But we had a great time. Uh, actually, Kyle Gentry uh, from North Carolina from uh, Finley Golf Club. He's new director of golf uh, maintenance up there. Uh, he represented uh, North Carolina through the New Farm Excel program, and so excellent. It was. We didn't know until the you know we saw the final roster that he was going to be there. We caught up with him. It was great to catch up with him. So we did have representation for both North and South Carolina. Uh, Alex and I spent most of the day yesterday, uh, started at, you know, I guess you could say uh, 7.45 with a group picture in front of the Capitol, and then our first meeting was with uh, House Representative Jeff Duncan. Um, that was at 10 o'clock. He was nice enough to come in there and talk to us a little bit. And then uh, and then we went heading over to the uh, Senate buildings, and we met with both Representative uh, for Tim Scott, and Lindsey Graham, and then after that, we went back over to the House of Representatives' offices, and we met with uh, Jim Claiborne. We met with him uh, personally. He was he sat in on the meeting. It was very good, very eye opening. He was a very elder statesman for the state of South Carolina. He's, he's had a you know a career politician, but he's he's done a lot. Believes a lot in golf, and uh, you know appreciated his time and. Uh, then uh, my final one of the day was Will Timmons. Uh, so we were supposed to meet with uh, uh, Joe Wilson, uh, representative uh, around the Columbia area. Unfortunately, um, Representative Claiborne was too good of a storyteller that we, we, we kind of missed our time. But I do have to give a shout-out to uh, um, – Cecil down there at uh, Augusta National. He's a, a Batesburg uh, resident, so he's a South Carolina resident. Works in uh, in Georgia, but he was able to uh, go and meet with uh, Mr. Wilson's uh, representative and, and kind of drop off the uh, the information and the talking points for there. So it was really good, and you know, the community service project uh, at the National Mall on Tuesday was great. We were kind of a little bit uh, concerned with the weather. But uh, it held off until we were all able to get a lot of stuff done. I think there was four, about three or four hundred yards of mulch put out under some cherry trees. Uh, worked with the arborist there, and then there was some uh, sod that got laid at the, uh, I want to say, the German National Friendship Garden. Um, and, uh, and then there was some mowing and some seeding getting done. So it was, there was a pretty productive day all around. So it was good. That's awesome. Thanks for filling everybody in on that. And we're going we're gonna to bring somebody else in here. We're going to um, try to use some technology here and see if we can't um, get Mr. Daryl Ewing on the line. Daryl, can, can you hear us? I can hear you, Jim. There he is. So we're bringing Daryl on because he, uh, he, along with Don Garrett, spearheaded the uh, Rounds for Research push this year. And we're very excited that um, – we hit our goal and then some, and we wanted to bring Daryl in here to kind of fill everybody in. So, Daryl, you you have the floor. Um, please let everybody know um, what they need to know about rounds for research in the Carolinas this year. Well, if everybody remembers, you know, we had a few tough years, you know, with the COVID pandemic um, for this uh, for this uh, for this auction. You know, a lot of clubs were on restrictions and and no outside play, and you know. The future really wasn't known too much of what was what was going to happen, so people were, were uh, very reluctant to uh, to kind of follow through and participate like they have before. But you know, last year we set a new record in 2022. I think we raised close to eighty thousand dollars for uh, 
for the Carolinas for Rounds of Research. And uh, I'm definitely proud to say this year that, and this isn't an exact total, but we are just over $112,000 for 2023 and for uh, the Carolinas for Rounds of Research this year. So uh, very excited, ecstatic. Um, <clears throat> the goal was to try to get to $100,000 in you know, we, we far exceeded that. And, you know, a lot of people have, have congratulated me and Don for the work we put in, but, you know, it has to go out to all the, uh, you know, all the directors that uh, made the phone calls and the emails to, uh, to garnish, you know, to garner all these rounds to put on this uh, auction. And also for all the, uh, for all the clubs and superintendents that uh, went ahead and uh, participated this year. I mean, we, we can't say thank you enough for, uh, for this, uh, for this year. It's definitely, uh, you know, when the auction was winding down, um, that Sunday night, it was just mind blowing to, to see kind of the running total that I was trying to keep up with. And it was like, just, I was dumbfounded at how, how well we did this year. So kudos to everybody, uh, out there who, uh, who helped us, you know, exceed the hundred thousand dollar mark by uh by quite a bit and of course we don't even know what the exact total is because there's been some clubs that do a cash donation and i do not believe that those numbers have been added to the uh to the total yet so um you know it could be even more at the end of the day that's great and thank you to our staff as well in liberty melissa smith really worked oh, yeah, on for research tim krieger yeah we can't forget yeah, them daryl can we can't forget them. I mean, Melissa was hand in hand with us. Uh, you know, she put up with Don and I's emails and phone calls and this and that and organizing this, you know, you know, emailing uh, Kansas about that, finding out what's happened to here. We, we couldn't have done it uh, without anybody. Definitely uh, didn't mean to forget them. They're, they're very, they're very vital uh, to us. That's, that's for sure. Absolutely. So uh, thank you to you, Daryl, again, and you did. Y'all did a great job. It was a good team effort, and just um, set a high bar for next year. Yeah, um, if you don't mind, I, I you know I'd kind of like to you know recognize kind of the top five in each state. Uh, I'm not going to give dollar amounts, but the you know the top five uh, courses that uh, garnered the highest bids uh, this year. Um, if I could just get a second to do that. Please, uh, please. In the state of North Carolina, we had Wade Hampton, High Hampton, uh, Grandfather Mountain, Mountaintop, and Pinehurst Resort. Um, they were our top five, uh, top five uh, courses that garnered the most, uh, garnered the most money. Um, and what's interesting about that is, uh, you know, like uh, Wade Hampton and uh, Mountaintop and uh, Grandfather. This was kind of the first year they went ahead and actually did donated a round on the auction site. And it was kind of interesting that they decided, you know, that they were only going to do it as a threesome. And they had to, whoever won the bid would have to play with either a member or an employee of the club. And that was, that was outlined on the bid site. You know, people knew that were bidding on it knew exactly what the, what the parameters were on that, but I thought that was very interesting that even though it was only for, you know, three people, it still garners, you know, the most money, yep. which tells me there's a lot of clubs out there that could maybe follow suit in the years to come that, you know, don't want to do it because they don't want to, you know, an outside foursome, let's say to, to be by themselves out on the golf course. You can always just set it up as a three. They're, they're required to play with an employee or a head pro or a member at your club. So, um, well, with that being said, in South Carolina, the top five were Secession, Carlton River, May River, Bulls Bay, and Dasa Island. Uh, those are the top five in South Carolina. And, uh, again, there was many, 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 many more. Um, I think we had 100 and 139 rounds for North Carolina that were donated, and I think it was 106. 67 or 69 in South Carolina that were donated this year for the, uh, for the auction. So kudos to everybody out there that participated and, uh, you know, look forward to bigger things next year. 
Absolutely. Yeah. Definitely. And, and let's not forget, uh, you know, even though the auction's over, uh, there's still a little bit of work to do. I know that the GCSA uh, and the Rounds for Research is going to send out notification of who those winners are to the superintendents or the clubs. And, and I think it's, you know, it's pretty important to make those contacts so that they understand how appreciative we are of their donations and to kind of let them know that, you know, uh, it doesn't, their, their monies and, and their generosity don't go unnoticed. I mean, we're, we're all in this together. Uh, you know, those, those five clubs at each, you know, state are, uh, definitely the bell cow of, of, you know, what this program can be. But, uh, like I've said several times before, it's, it's about the inventory, no matter how big or how small your club is, every dollar makes a difference. And at the end of the day, it's going to end up uh, really benefiting us professionally. And uh, we all know that uh, you know, turf grass research and the other things that uh, are funded by, by this program, you know, really do help us, the end users. So just make sure when you get that information from the GCSA that uh, that's, that's part of it. Just, you know, at least make the phone call, let them know. Ask them when they're going to be out there. You know, a little uh, face-to-face handshake probably goes a long way for us professionally and personally. And uh, you never know. Uh, may uh, garner even more money next year because of those relationships you build. Well, Daryl, thank you for coming on. Appreciate you flying in here from the Charlotte metro area to be with us. Um, <laughs> it was just a short, it was a short flight, so it was no problem. <laughs> I always enjoy hearing that laugh, but uh, we'll let you go. We got to keep this intro moving on. We got some good interviews coming down the pipeline here on this episode, so we got to get going. All right, thank you, Jim. We'll yep. see you. Take care, Daryl. Bye. All right, Chuck. We got a few more things on the punch list here. Sure. Um, Pretty exciting news out of Myrtle Beach yesterday with the uh, PGA Tour doing a new event at the Dunes Club. Our friend Steve Hamilton, CGCS hosting. Um, pretty exciting. It is. It is. Uh, you know, we all know uh, how good the Dunes Club is, how rich in history it is to, to the golf community down there. Uh, you know, it's it's not the oldest, but it's it's definitely made its mark. And, and any time that we can highlight not only uh, a great club like that, but but tourism in the in the Myrtle Beach area. It's not a it's not a well kept secret, but uh, you know now that the, the COVID restrictions are lifted up and we can really start kind of driving some some tourism back down to those areas and highlight not just the Dunes Club, but but what all golf has to offer in South Carolina is. Um, it's a great opportunity, and Steve and and his staff will do an amazing job. They've got a great great club great management i mean yeah we were uh we had carolina's night there two years ago they you know uh and we uh we do a great you know they do a great job with everything and i'm sure they're going to do the same when the pga tour rolls in there so i was texting back and forth when it kind of hit the the news wire and told him if he needed somebody to fill divots i'd send tim down there so i agree (laughs) let's put tim on the volunteer list right now yeah absolutely you know they uh they do a lot, and, you know, we have a good relationship with the Dunes Club you yeah. know, for our association. Have. No doubt. So, speaking of the association, mm-hmm. we just gave out our Distinguished Service Award. By the yes. time this airs, that should be public knowledge. So, um, fill everybody in on um, who our award winner is. Well, you know, it, it's it's always a hard process. You know, there's there's a lot of good folks out there, but uh, one of the – one of the candidates we had that we've decided on was uh, Dr. Fred Yelverton and, and it kind of touches back on the rounds for research and kind of what he has done for our industry in uh, both the Carolinas and what he's done for our show. Uh, he's always willing to help and participate and um, just what he's given back to the industry in general. Um, I think it's, you know, he's a definitely a deserving candidate and uh, I would just like to do nothing but congratulate him for not only his uh, success in his profession, but, you know, uh, thank him for his success, you know, helping us. I agree. He's um, a pillar in our industry and has helped a lot of people, and um, I've always enjoyed going to his seminars, speaking with him, and um, unfortunately I'm not going to be there this year, Chuck, (laughs) at the dinner. I can't shake his hand, uh, but uh, that's one of the – that's one of the nice things about um, 
being on the board of directors. You mean going. the dinner at the Dean's Club. Exactly. So go. it all ties in together. So, yeah, but congratulations to Dr. Freddie Elverton and um, excited to have him get the award. Yeah. So, well, this ended up being somewhat of a long-winded intro, but we had a lot of news. Yeah, well, we, you know, it's uh, there's a lot going on. I mean, it's, uh, like I said, you go from the, uh, the, the governor's school, which – it looks like promising, and uh, you know, I tell anybody who's interested, reach out to to myself, and we can talk about it. Uh, I, you know, it may it may be nothing, but uh, hopefully, it's something and pique some interest in, in some younger kids getting into this industry. And then, you know, you look at National Golf Day, which is is huge for us, and it's huge for the GCSA on what all the issues that are coming down that are impacting us. And then, yeah, just golf in general. I That's mean, right. So. So this is an introduction to a podcast from the Quail Hollow sessions. I was down at Quail Hollow Club for the Wells Fargo, and Keith Wood was gracious enough to allow me to set up the podcast equipment in the volunteer tent and ended up capturing a lot of stuff. So the problem we have now is figuring out how we're going to get all this stuff out. It's going to take us a little while, Chuck. we got a plethora sure. of material in the hopper all of a sudden. But um, we thought it would be good to go ahead and start with Keith. Um, he came on for about 20 minutes, and then two of his three assistants, Frankie Cardell and Robert Blood, also came on. We're going to package those together. I um, think it should be some good stuff. You know, uh-huh. Keith's a repeat guest, but uh, anytime we can get someone like him with his impact in the area and, you know, in the business, even worldwide, we we got to get him on, don't we? Oh, definitely. I mean, <clears throat> not only Keith and his staff, but, you know, Johnny Harris and the club, I mean, they are very generous with their club or his club uh, and what he's given back to the game of golf. So uh, it's it, they always do a great job, whether it's the President's Cup, Wells Fargo, or, you know, anything else that they're you know, potentially going to be hosting. They've just done a phenomenal job. And Keith is uh, definitely one of the one of the best in the business, and he always uh, produces a great product and always showcases the talents in the Carolinas for sure. No doubt. So this is going to be the first series uh, from the the first episode from a series of episodes that we're going to call the Quail Hollow Club Sessions. Um, we're going to be getting them out this summer, and we might save some until later in the year. Um, got a bunch of good stuff on here, a lot of key staff and some industry people that were there. We were able to get a good interview with Dr. Burt McCarty and Lawrence Mudge, which I think is technical in nature but has a lot of great information. I'm looking forward to getting that one out there. Yeah, those two. When you put them together, there's a lot. There's a lot of information just there is using out of those two. But um, the recordings aren't crystal clear because they are in the um, volunteer tent. You can hear the air conditioner. You hear the door open and close, and music in the background. People talking, but um, kind of gives the sessions a little bit of a different uh, live in person vibe. So it'll be good to go, Chuck. You know, it, it, it's uh, it's a lot of work when you put on those tournaments, but at the same time. You know, even the uh, the background noise at least lets you know how fun and exciting it is. It is. Great experience and top-notch over there. So but we're going to wrap this thing up. It's quite the intro, but we got the word out on what the Carolina's Golf Course Superintendents Association is doing right now. And That's right. But let's get to Keith and, and, and Robert and Frankie. Uh, good luck, guys. Welcome back to Pulling Weeds. We have a return guest, Mr. Keith Wood. Welcome to Pulling Weeds once again. Hey, thanks, Jim. Happy to be here. We are uh, going to call these the Quail Hollow Wells Fargo Championship Sessions. We're starting it off with the man himself, Keith Wood, here, who um, I believe was episode three or four, maybe, of Pulling Weeds. And I was telling Keith that. Uh, the episode which all others are compared to so welcome back and thanks for being here and you're a great host here keith and uh what do you enjoy most about um having all the volunteers in here uh working with everybody uh seeing everybody uh the camaraderie um and the goodwill and it's great when you get a, a full team of people in here and you know everybody starts pulling the rope in the right direction things come together um, it, it just feels really good um, and, and it's also comforting knowing that uh, you know like here we are at the halfway point of the week um, 
knowing that if we face any kind of adversity, uh, whether it be Mother Nature or you know something from the rules officials or from the players, that uh, everybody's invested in our success. You know, we've been we've had a couple of days to get to know each other, and uh, uh, I, I, it's just going to go very well when when everybody is on the same page and, and working hard, and they see what's going on, and the feedback from the players, and it's just uh, it's just a really good thing. When you started your career in turf grass management, did you did you foresee yourself being at this point? Uh, no, I did. You know, I I really didn't know what what I was going to be, and I just kind of got lucky and um, had a few jobs. But I, I can I do remember the one moment uh, when I was an assistant superintendent at Wildwood Country Club, and uh, the superintendent at that time, Jay Gettings. Um, Corey Georgetown graduate, good friends with Charles Granger. Yes. But uh, it was a club championship, and it was uh, it was the middle of summer, and Jay was going on vacation. He said, hey, Bo, it's all you. You got this. And when he came back, um, he said, man, this, this course looks really good. The, the attention to detail was there. And, and it, that was one of those moments when I was like, I understand what getting up for an event is. And it felt really good when I drove through the golf course and saw everything that we had been working hard on. And I think that was the moment that really made me understand tournament golf. You know, it was just a club championship. It wasn't a, a, a PGA championship or a Wells Fargo championship. It wasn't professionals. But uh, the feeling I got is a very similar feeling that I get right now to this day. So it's... Really, at its core, it's not much different, is it? It's not that much different at all. And I, I think that all comes from within. Um, as a superintendent, how you, uh, how you motivate yourself, how you push yourself, um, what level you expect of yourself and of your staff. Um, and then when you set that tone and you get a group that wants to follow, and when you really run hard and they're right there running with you, you know, anything can be accomplished. So you mentioned Mr. Jay Gettings. Who, who were some of your other mentors? Uh, Kevin Redfern, uh, primarily, um, in the turf grass side of it. And then, um, believe it or not, I've had a lot of uh, uh, PGA professionals as mentors. Uh, Clem King, who was the uh, uh, PGA professional there at Wildwood, really helped guide me in the right direction. Um, I had an opportunity to... Be, a, be the superintendent at, at Wildwood after Jay left and uh, there was some new ownership in there and Clem said hey man you're, you're just you're young and you have some talent and why don't you go work for somebody and, and keep learning your skill set and so he challenged me to go back up and work for Kevin Redford and, and that's what I did at Grandover Resort but um, my first real head superintendent job at Florence Country Club I worked uh, with P PGA professional Steve Bear. And Steve really took me under his wing and, and taught me how to work with a membership, how to work with a committee, how to, how to talk to people, how to get in front of a group and speak to the membership at, at annual meetings. And he just helped, helped guide me along the way in those first couple of years of where I really didn't know what I was doing because I'd never felt the weight of the decisions. Um, and, you know, that's, I guess that's the hardest part about being a first-time superintendent is before you could make mistakes um, and the weight was felt by somebody else. But when you're the superintendent, every decision you make, that weight is on your shoulders. Um, so having people there to help prop you up when you make a bad decision or you stumble and they help you get back up and say, hey man, this is what you need to do. Maybe look at this next time and, and see where you're going. So. Um, Steve is really good at that. Steve's been at Florence a long time, and he's uh, – I've always noticed playing there over the years in April at the Palmettos and Midlands event that he's always very welcoming, and um, he's a pillar of the PGA – Carolina's PGA section, and uh, great guy, no doubt. Great guy and a great player. Yep. His son's a great player too, isn't he? He is. Yeah. Uh, so it was, it was funny. I remember the days where, where Steven was um, – just a little kid, and he would play in the Saturday morning group, and uh, he would take their quarters every Saturday. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. 
do you try to instill the importance in people that work underneath you about working with the PGA professionals and, and, and general managers and outside outside of our little realm that we have here? Do you kind of how do you train your guys in that? Well, I've kind of taken the lessons that that were given to me, and I try to give back to them. Um, Quell's a little bit of a different place, a little bit of a different animal as far as the, the PGA professionals. Our, our professionals do a great job, but their number one priority is serving the members. So uh, we don't get a lot of time to spend with our PGA professionals because, you know, this, this club, we don't have tee times, and, um, and the members want what they want, and, you know, we do our best to give it to them. Um, what I have tried to instill with them is – being open to working with your PGA professional because, you know, they have a job to do too. And sometimes there's some conflict between superintendents and PGA professionals because while we both want the same thing, we come at it from different angles. So I really believe in, in the communication lines being open. I encourage my guys. We, we use a, a group text to communicate with the pro shop every morning. We tell them what we're doing. Every evening they tell us what what they did and what they're planning on doing the next day. And that's really helped open up a bunch of eyes. It's opened my guys' eyes up to what they have to deal with. And it's opened our professional staff's eyes up to what we have to deal with. Because our members aren't going to be very happy with anything unless we're both doing our jobs at a very high level. Well said. Your operation here is... um it's been fun for me to kind of observe it. First time I've ever volunteered at an event like this. So, um, but uh, did you see yourself having a program like you have here, where you mentor so many future turfgrass managers, or how did that all come about? Was that here in Quail before you got here, or did you bring that here? Well, they had an excellent intern program when I got here, and all, all we did was enhance it. Uh, and what we found was is that uh, a lot of interns after they graduated college wanted to come back to work say hey man we're kind of hooked on quail you know and how we run and 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 the things that we get to do that maybe you don't get to do at another golf course and um and they like the pressure that we get put under and so they want to come back so we've been able to develop an ait or an assistant in training program um and you know it's almost like a postgraduate internship Um, and we treat them very similarly to the interns where we uh, take care of them in almost every way that we can. Uh, but we ask a little bit more of them. Um, and, and what it's done is it's given me the ability to get the assistants through the program, help them find first-year superintendent's jobs, and then I have the next group of assistants they are ready to move on up. So it's it's been very good for Quail because um, – a lot of the time, it's very hard being an assistant superintendent here. Uh, there's a, it's a big dynamic with every year having tournament golf, every year being under the knife of some kind of construction, and um, and then pleasing the membership. Um, so the assistants, it'll wear on you in about two, two and a half years, three years. You're like, man, I'm tired. Um, so it's good to get have a new crop ready to step in and, and understand the leadership role. Do you ever get tired, Keith? Oh, absolutely. I get tired. <laughs> um, but I'll go back to the guys that are underneath me. They're, they're so good. They have such a drive. They want success that um, I trust them. And so I say about three times a year I'll completely check out for about – four to seven days depending on what my wife has planned for vacations and when I say check out I'm like guys you know if the shop burns down I'll deal with it and I get back don't call me yeah you need that you need to be able to have that don't you yeah yeah at a place like this where, where we run so hard you have to be able to check out um, you know my kids are getting to the age where they're playing sports and it's also comforting comforting to know that you know, maybe four thirty, five o'clock, it's like, guys, I'm going to the baseball game. And I don't have to push them. They're like, hey, man, we're still grinding on this. We didn't get our daily goals done. We're going to be here for another hour. And I said, great. If that's what you want to do, go get it done, guys. And, and no doubt they step up and get it done. 
What's on your wish list of things to do in your career? You've done so much. What, 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 what's still out there for you? What, do you, what, do you, where do you, what are your goals? You know, I guess my goal right now uh, is to be at Quail Hollow as long as Quail Hollow will have me. And, and um, I have a very good relationship with our general manager who's class act. I have a good relationship with our club president. So I'm hopeful that I can be here for another 10 years. Um, but, you know, if, if you're daydreaming, you know, I've never built a course from scratch. Um, I kind of got where I am by coming in after construction jobs, fixing small little things that mean a great deal. Like at Florence, we had some problems there, and uh, six or seven of the the uh, drain lines that exit the green had been crushed when the irrigation contractor came in and put in the irrigation loop and with bent grass greens they were suffering so we fixed the drainage we got the water out of the green the greens popped up came back to life um so it's the it's the little things um but i've never built a course from scratch so i guess that that would be a a dream job yep back to the your staff here i saw something maybe that you have in the teens numbers of, of, of people working here that either have turf grass degrees or are pursuing them. Is that, what is that number? It's uh, 19. 19. That's amazing. It is. Um, it, I'll give, I'll, uh, once again, I'll give credit to the assistant superintendents and the AITs because a lot of times we hire um, young men who may be out of college who, for example, worked at Red Ventures in the boiler room making sales calls and said, man, I'm, this is not me. Take a job working out here on our team as a greenskeeper, and next thing you know, they're coming to me saying, do you know anything about this Penn State online? Absolutely. And we're also very fortunate. We've been able to build a program here at Quail where uh, the membership uh, graciously uh, does a lot of scholarships. So we get young men hooked on grass, just like I was hooked on grass, and hooked on golf, and then we help them pay for their college. And in return, I get two or three years out of them. That's a very um, cool program. Do, do you know how many um, people you've had work underneath you that have gone on to be superintendents? Oh, it, it changes. Uh, I've had a few that have been in the business have gotten out, but just here from Quail, I think we're probably we're pushing six. Frankie Cardelli is, uh, is the most recent. Um, he's here with us this week, but his last day is actually next Friday. Um, he just got the superintendent's job at an uh, unnamed golf course out in Luling, Texas. Um, that is being built out in the middle of a cattle ranch. Um, so we're very happy for Frankie's moving on. And that's the other thing you'll see people here that are volunteering, Mike Stell, and, you know, you got Shane Oman out in, in Iowa, um, just to name a few. And, and can't forget Parker Henry, who is um, now running the Houston Open. Um, so thrilled for that dude. He's, uh, he took over a course that was struggling a little bit and um, he was actually here last Thursday doing a visit with his tour agronomist. Uh, their date is moving and they're going to be overseeding, so they wanted to come here and just get familiar with some of the best management practices. And Parker really wanted his agronomist to see what we did for prep work, how we maintained it, and what level that we're maintaining and what it takes to, to keep it there. Um, but he's done a fantastic job, so uh, I, I don't know the number, but. Um, a lot of good guys out there. Well, with 19 on staff that are pursuing or have it, there's potential for there to be a lot more. Absolutely. Um, let's talk about overseeding a little bit. You uh, did not overseed for one year last year for the President's Cup, correct? Correct. Um, and uh, how was that for you? Obviously, it was a big change to your normal routine. And um, what, what, did you, what benefits did you see from that for the golf course, skipping a year? Uh, was, I have to think POA control. That, that's the number one. Yep. That was the number one, one thing. We, uh, this, this place hadn't seen Princep in a number of years or Simazine. And, um, we were able to get that October app out 
and it, it cleaned up the POA. And, you know, we're fairly clean this year, uh, but we missed our progress applications because it, it rained all November, December. And I, I give that credit to, um, to the Simazine Princip apps that we did during the dormant season. I agree. You know, I stopped when I was superintendent at Heritage Club. I stopped overseeding after 28 years because of Hurricane Matthew. We had to because of cleanup and sprayed Simazine and spectacle and, you know, was about 95% clean. It was amazing that when, you, when, when the POA hasn't seen that, uh, that AI, it really works, doesn't it? Yeah, it dings it up. Yep. Um, but uh, when do you, what are your overseed dates? We typically oversee the third week in October. Okay, so not real early. No, we had, when I first got here, it was, um, it was a September date, you know, uh, modeled after Augusta National, kind of what they do, where um, the place was just stripped down to the bones, overseeded in September, and uh, I just wasn't fond of it. I felt like, uh, I felt like we damaged our Bermuda grass made for a poor transition the next uh, summer um, and always felt like we were reseeding you know because we would get these hot spells in September or October and I remember one October here in Charlotte it was the hottest three-day stretch of the entire year was October 1st, 2nd and 3rd and that happened to be the same week we were putting the first cut because you know, we overseeded mid-September gave it two weeks to come up and we were putting our first cut on things and yeah, we, you know, we stressed it out. It was just a little too hot, and, and we had to do a lot of reseeding. But what I saw is every time that everywhere we had to throw seed in October, we had a great catch. So our, our, our annual, one of our big member tournaments is in the second week of October. So it just makes sense to go ahead and, and have the golf course be a Bermuda grass golf course, let the members play on something nice and firm and fast, Let's get through that member guest or that member member. And uh, then we can go in and do our little bit of touch-up cultivation. Great thing about uh, the mid to late October seeding date is we don't have to use a lot of growth regulator because the Bermuda's shutting down anyway. Really don't need to verticut it all that much because it's starting to get stemmy and open up. So we just kind of let it grow for a week then lower the mowers down and shave the tops off of them. And the canopy just opens up like a catcher's mitt drop the seed in there, water it, uh, the Bermuda just kind of closes up on it and off to the races. Yeah, just a traditional Carolina-style overseed. Yeah. As a, you know, Augusta style is more like what I'll call like a desert southwest style, right? Exactly, Where they yes. scalp everything and and um, are not really worried about the base. You're doing it more the traditional way where you're trying to keep your base is healthy because when you look out there now, the you can see that your Bermuda base in the fairways is still very strong. Yeah, you have to have it. Um, so in, uh, in 2016, uh, the Wells Fargo 2016, man, we had a hot, hot, dry week. And we were losing ryegrass, and there wasn't a lot of Bermuda grass under there. And, and that hit me. I was like, well, you, you better have your Bermuda grass just as healthy as the ryegrass just in case you get into this May transition. You, you, you got to have one or the other because you can't have dirt. Yep. No, you cannot. <laughs> well, Keith, thank you for coming by. I really appreciate you coming on, and I appreciate your uh, hospitality here, you and your whole team, and thank you for uh, just being an icon here in the Carolinas. Hey, Jim, it's my pleasure. I'm, I'm happy to have you this week. Hope, hopefully you'll be a return volunteer. Uh, I want to get you hooked on Quail Hollow and the Wells Fargo Championship just like everybody else. And, um, you know, uh, the Carolinas is such a great place. Uh, the support from the other superintendents, you see a lot of them here. You see a lot of Carolinas members um, mowing the fairways yep. uh, and doing everything from top to bottom. So, um, man, I'm just so fortunate to be in this position, to have the support from everybody around me, and, and I can't thank you enough for being here. I'm definitely hooked on quail, but I got to admit, I'm really hooked on ITO Creations catering. Um, the food has been off the charts good. Yeah, a lot of big shout out to Lori Austin, our uh, administrative assistant. She, she puts together a lot of the volunteer plan with the uniforms and the swag bags, and, and, and she secures the caterer. And this is their second year doing it. And we, we are very fortunate they're feeding us all week. Yes, very, very, very well done on their end. And 
yeah, I'm enjoying my time here. When I started at Ori Georgetown Technical College, Charles Granger said, you got to go to Quail, Jim. you got to go to Quail. And I'm glad I did. So thanks for having me. You're welcome. All right, ladies and gentlemen, Keith Wood. All right. Continuing with the Quail Hollow Wells Fargo Championship Sessions. We've moved on from Mr. Wood. And we have two gentlemen with us. Frankie Cardell, welcome to Pulling Weeds Podcast. Pleasure to be here. And Robert Blood. All right, thank you for having me. You gentlemen are both uh, assistant superintendents here at Quail Hollow. Part of a dynamic threesome of assistant superintendents, I would say, that really make moves out here. Yeah, it's a really interesting uh, dynamic between the three of us, how we kind of manage our own operations uh, day to day. Uh, one of us oversees chemical applications, the other one oversees construction and tournament operations kind of build, and then the third one oversees day-to-day operations with the crew and staff members. And um, between the three of us, we kind of pull it all together and work every day and night to kind of set us up the next day and make sure we have the labor needs we have and make sure we're on the same mowing and spraying uh, rotations as that we should be. So. It's an interesting dynamic. None, none of us are above the other one. We're all three together, and we're all three pushing each other always. Yeah, I, I like that. That's when I was a superintendent, I always had two. We had two assistants on staff, and I never did the first and second assistant mm-hmm. thing. I always did equal. Part of it was I kind of felt like I was the boss, and then they were under, you know, the next step down. And um, But I always liked it that way, so um, it's a good system. Mm-hmm. I think uh, – a reinforcement for that is we kind of all feed off of each other and we all rely on each other because we have different strengths and weaknesses um, so we're definitely in, in constant communication uh, even if it's not necessarily Frankie's task to handle uh, we'll call him we'll call Kevin uh, so we work very closely together yeah hopefully we're going to get Kevin on the mic here too right yeah he's out watching some holes right now he's staged on the back nine I think good for him yeah. duty calls huh watching some golf exactly <laughs> well let's um Let's, let's go uh, back to you, Robert. Um, where did you get your start in the turf industry? So I, was, I had a weird way of getting into it. Um, I've been playing golf ever since I could walk. Uh, my dad had plastic clubs in my hands as soon as I could walk. Um, and I kind of came into it from the golf side. Uh, I didn't originally, when I left high school, have any kind of idea about working on a golf course or being a superintendent. Um, and then I went to college, studied biology at UNC Charlotte. And as I was looking for jobs, uh, nothing really piqued my interest. You know, I, I had studied for four years this subject, and I was like, oh, my goodness, now uh, there's nothing that really stands out to me that looks really interesting. So uh, I'd always loved golf, loved playing. Um, so I figured I'd uh, try and, and work on a golf course just until I could figure out what I wanted to do. Um, and so I, I applied to multiple courses, and believe it or not, uh, Quail Hollow was the first one to reach out to me. I'd just uh, been to the PGA Championship. I went like four or five days that week. <laughs> and so when, when they reached back out to me, I was like, oh, my goodness. I, I, can't, I, mean, I have no experience. I have no formal training, education, anything at all. And they reached out and um, hopped on the train and been on it ever since. Fell in love. So I've been back to school to, to learn a little bit about turf and uh, still really excited to be here. Where did you uh, do your studies in turf? So I did uh, Penn State World Campus. I was able to do it online. That way I didn't have to stop working here and miss the action because there is no downtime here. We're always doing something. Um, So that worked out really well for me uh, to be able to do it online. And we have a scholarship program uh, through the Quail Hollow Employee Betterment Fund. Uh, We have a couple members uh, chair that committee, and a lot of them are very generous. And uh, I was able to get a lot of that uh, financed through the club. Um, so it's it just been wonderful to me, and I'm glad I'm able to put that knowledge to work. Yeah, it's, that is one of the things that, you know, I, I went to Ori Georgetown Technical College, and I'm an associate professor there now. And uh, one of the things that I like about our program is it combines, you know, the, the academic part, but all of our students work. And when you're in the field and you're working and you're studying at the same time, it kind of brings everything together. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. And I think – especially during the pandemic and, and kind of the stigma that's associated with online learning was kind of broken down a little bit because there were a lot of people that had to learn online. 
and and certainly working on a golf course and being there every single day and then going back home and learning the theoretical side uh, it, it really melts together uh, in a way that makes it easy to understand and apply yep Frankie how'd you get your start <laughs> I'm honestly not too uh, dissimilar from Robert um, I was a physical education major at Catawba College graduated uh, with a bachelor's of science was a PE teacher for a few years I was really looking to get into the college kind of coaching game soccer I was playing college soccer so I thought I wanted to be a soccer coach um, well first I thought I wanted to be a soccer player wasn't good enough so I had to be a soccer coach um, started looking for a full-time job that would kind of mirror you know give me some free evenings something I could do early in the day um, love the game of golf always have found a full-time job just as a ground screw guy at Carmel Country Club um, got hired a lot like Robert no experience um, other than just you know regular maintenance uh, lawn maintenance and I'd say within like the first two months I was there I realized that wow this is you know this is a career that I could that I think I could love and um, started looking into programs and like Robert I, I too am also a graduate of the Penn State online world campus a few years before him but um, I did that while I was at Carmel it took me I think three semesters one year uh, and while I was there, I was very fortunate uh, working with Micah Pennybaker and, and Brandon Goodrich. Um, they really gave me the opportunities to learn on the job as I was learning in class. So I really owe them both a lot. And finished my year there, um, came to Quail Hollow as a volunteer of the 2019 Wells Fargo and just fell in love with the place. Fell in love with the culture of the staff, the attention to detail, just the entire property really. Um, and I knew this is where I wanted to be after that. You guys are fast movers. <laughs> you get in it and you just go, huh? That's right. Absolutely. I like that. I like that. No no need to waste time, right? That's right. Frankie, you're you're moving on. We just had Keith on, and um, he was telling he was bragging about you moving on. So update us uh, where you're going and where you're going to be when this comes out. Yeah, so I'm going to be uh, in Luling, Texas, which is about 30 miles south of Austin, out in the country of Texas, South Texas. Um, a new golf course, private investor uh, build. Kyle Franz is the architect. They have an 1,100-acre ca uh, cattle ranch um, that one of the owners uh, owns, and they've, I think, from what I've understood, is they, you know, kind of looking for a place where they can get away, have some of their um, business partners come and visit, and have a golf course kind of to themselves. Um, so it's going to be 18 holes to start. Uh, and then eventually a second 18 holes within the next three years is, is the plan, is the goal. Yeah, I'll be the superintendent of uh, golf course and grounds, and um, it's just going to be an incredible opportunity to grow in a golf course uh, from scratch, you know, from nothing. So right now I think there's about eight or nine holes roughly graded, uh, getting ready for irrigation, building a 15-acre holding pond for irrigation. So when I get there, it'll be – pretty much you know a whole back nine to grade and everything to put in the ground so and grassing this summer hopefully by the end of the yeah end of the summer we'd like to have grass on the ground i think uh, right now it's all dependent on uh permits for for water to get the irrigation going but the plan is to be open early of ne early 2024 that's an exciting opportunity yeah yeah and you know for me it's like you said fast movers i think i don't want to say that's something that has made Robert and I successful. I mean, I think it has, but it's, you know, it's just you got to be always looking for the next step in yourself to improve yourself. And that just doesn't mean jobs. It means daily, you know, what can you learn? What can you improve on? And, you know, been here now three and a half years, um, two and a half as an assistant, starting to get to that stage where, you know, Keith has taught us a lot, taught me a lot. And, you know, I feel like if I don't take, you know, if I didn't take it upon myself to take the next step, I'm not improving my career, you know, and really using what I've learned here. So when I started looking, you know, I wasn't really in the job market, I'd say, and this opportunity came along and I was like, wow, that, that just sounds, you know, too good to just not even look at. So, you know, I started going down the route and, you know, it's funny in this industry how it works. I, um, Brandon Goodrich is, uh, Carmel is from Texas and I reached out to him and he told me, actually, your, your superintendent, Micah, is, uh, very close friends with the director they just hired over there um and yeah i mean talk about a connection his name is josh cooper and um younger guy i think he's late 30s um i, I just couldn't believe that that connection existed you know to a job that i'd never heard of to a place i'd never heard of and 
there it is, you know. So I uh, ended up applying and got to know them, and it's, it just felt like a really good fit from the beginning. So uh, it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a lot of fun and a whole new experience. But I'm really looking forward to it. And I'm looking forward to taking everything I learned here there with me. That's exciting. It's um, it's fun making the move into the captain's chair for sure. <laughs> it's a little stressful, yeah. but uh, my advice to you is uh, enjoy it because yeah. it'll be fun and. Obviously, you're going to hit the ground running. So, so Robert, do we do we have we got some people here in the pipeline to replace our man Frankie? Because those are big shoes to fill, aren't they? They are big shoes. Uh, yeah, we have a fantastic group, and we have some really talented um, AITs uh, that are, actually we got one in right now that's filling in for Frankie and kind of running the show out there on the golf course, making sure that everybody's staged uh, for anything that might happen. So, yeah, our AITs are fantastic. Um, and yeah, I don't think uh, I think we'll have someone to to do it. So that's why Frankie always comes up and talks to me out there, right? Because he doesn't have that much responsibility. <laughs> that's right. Say, he's huh? passed it on. <laughs> he, he's he, awful chatty out there. He, unless uh, there's an emergency, he's just chilling, right? Yep, I love that. I love that. So, Robert, uh, you and I've had some conversations this week as well, and um, you're a big data guy. I am. And you've kind of brought that to uh, to Quail Hollow, I've heard, and that's kind of your niche a little bit here. So talk about that, please. So yeah, I I try not to get so caught into caught up into it so that we're we're going towards the number it's just something that we can use to kind of facilitate or, or aid in making a little bit better decisions um, so one thing that that i've started doing is in addition to doing the ball drop firmness and step meter readings every time we go out and mow i like to take uh, clipping volume um, and we use that to kind of decide if we need to get the greens a little bit faster or are we going to get more out of rolling them or are we going to get more out of just going and double cutting them um, where do we stand on our fertility? Uh, what about our, our application intervals for Primo and new things like that? Um, it can kind of just see, and then the impact of the weather. Uh, you know, the weather, especially this time of year, has a huge influence on growth uh, on the overseeded grass. So I think having, having the data can help you make better decisions. We're not trying to hit any certain number, but uh, we're trying to make our management decisions smart and efficient. What have you, noticed here at quail hollow club since you started tracking clip volume so rain makes a huge difference <laughs> rain <laughs> they, makes grass grow absolutely and and just more than you can account for with just it doesn't matter your fertility your, your pgr program the rain drives a lot especially when the soil is warm enough where you can get some nitrogen mineralization and just that just flushes uh, we actually had that happen right before the tournament we got three and a half inches of rain uh, here in the few days of advanced week, last few days. And so uh, the triv and, and the bank grass overseed was just going nuts. We actually we cut them four times on the Sunday before uh, the first pro-am just because we noticed we just got so much grass on the first double cut. We were like, we got to send them back around again uh, in order to get these things back where they need to go. So Dr. Micah Woods kind of influenced you to go this direction, I'm assuming. We talked about that. You and I are both uh, fond of Dr. Woods and his, yes. his work. And um, he, uh, Have you ever read A Short Grammar of Greenkeeping, his book? I have not. You should I pick that not. up. Okay. Yep. That you know, talks about rain and its impact on growth in the first chapter. Um, okay. But that's a, I'd recommend that to anybody out there. I'm going to use that at Ori Georgetown. It's a simple but very poignant um, book on greenkeeping. Okay. So, a little reading assignment for you. Excellent. It, it was him, Dr. Woods, and um, Dr. Kreuzer, uh, formerly UNL, uh, University of Nebraska-Lincoln. Yep. Um, with the uh, the Greenkeeper app and kind of his PGR modeling, and now he's moved on to DMI fungicides, and he's getting growing degree day intervals for all that. So that just really fascinated me that we can actually make predictions on exactly what day we need to apply to to maintain a certain level of growth suppression. Yeah, did you get to meet Dr. Kreuzer at uh, the Carolina show? I did. I met him once at the Carolina show, and I saw him uh, at Orlando this yeah. year as well. Yeah, we need to get Dr. Woods over here to volunteer at Quail Hollow. Absolutely. Yeah. In here, he'd like to come. <laughs> I'm going to let him know that. I'm going to okay. let him know that. He's a data expert when it comes to golf tournaments, and he'd be great. Frankie, um, switching back over to you, um, what are you going to miss most about living in Charlotte? You know, I think living in Charlotte, I think um, I'm going to miss the, the weather. I do like the seasons. You know, I do like the, the summer. The, you know, we do get a hot summer, and then we get a, usually a really 
mild winter, but we do get snow every now and then and a nice spring. I think as a city, Charlotte is great. Um, and I'm not like painting it in the best light right now because <laughs> I feel like what I'm going to miss most, I mean, and I think maybe this was a better answer to your question, is the people here, you know, Quail Hollow. I think it's, you know, I always have always had a vision of, of me leaving and, you know, becoming a vision of becoming a superintendent, vision of becoming a boss, but you don't realize everything that goes into, you know, going to a new place and leaving everything behind, everything you've worked with for the last three and a half years, the guys I've spent probably more time with than I have my, my own family, my wife and my son. And, you know, that the impact that they've left on my life and my career are going to be, you know, difficult to just say goodbye to. So I'm going to miss the people, um, especially the people here at Quail Hollow, my friends in Charlotte, um, but mainly the staff and, and um, you know, Robert, Kevin, Keith, RAITs. You know, we've been in that room now for over two years now, I think, together. So, um we're a tight-knit group, and, and it's going to be difficult to say goodbye. Are you from Charlotte originally? Originally from Miami, Florida. Okay. Uh, I've lived in the Charlotte area for the last 20 years, though. How about so. you, Robert? Are you originally from Charlotte? Born and raised Charlotte, North Carolina. And went to college here. Absolutely. So it's going to be hard to pry you away from Charlotte, <laughs> yeah, isn't it? I'm not planning on leaving. Oh, <laughs> well. I love this place. <laughs> my man, Tim Krieger, always says you've got to be relocatable if you want to excel in this business. Mm-hmm. So you might have to get um, out of your comfort zone, huh? May- maybe we can stay in the Carolinas, though? Yeah, that'd be fine. Okay. We'd okay. love to have you here. <laughs> Good. Yeah, I like your style. Okay. Yeah, you're, I'm all in on you staying. What, uh, what are you looking forward to for the rest of this year? I know you got a big renovation coming up. Does that get you excited to oh, uh, do that kind of stuff? Absolutely. Absolutely. Because uh, Kevin is the only one of the three of us that was here for the 2016 project. Um, so it, I'm still really looking forward to being a part of that and, and experiencing that. Um, it's just it'll be something unlike I've, anything any, I've ever seen before. Um, so, yes, I'm very excited about the renovation project, and that's happening very shortly after the tournament. So we're just going from one thing to the next. Resurfacing greens. Yes. And what else is, um, is, does the project entail? So the greens, and then we're going to redo the tees, and all the bunkers are going to get new liner, uh, Bunker Solutions liner, and they're going to get additional drainage in areas where we can benefit from that. We have really steep uh, bunker faces so the rain can wreak havoc on that all the sand ends up ends up at the bottom and we gotta shovel it up so we're gonna try to throw some extra drainage there in the face and help prevent that issue uh, but yeah tea renovation I don't know about that fellas those are some of the purest teas I've ever <laughs> seen in my life out there <laughs> I mean you I think um, I think we agree I think that uh, the TIF grant's been awesome but I mean you look at our approaches right now how good are they um, I think both of us are impressed with them Robert and myself I think that Tahoma 31 has shown itself to be um, a very good grass and it'll it'll do really well on the tee so we're excited for that they're excited for that I was excited <laughs> yeah the Tahoma 31's a, a cool grass and the the poetry of overseed on the approaches and collars here is a nice touch is that something that's been done in the past here is that new this year or nope uh, we've we typically overseed with the poetry of um, I think we did sprinkle in a little bit of bent grass on the greens this year to help us get a little more coverage since, you know, the greens were, we didn't really want to worry about having coverage issues since their greens are going to be gone this summer anyway, but uh, always gone with poetry and then uh, perennial ryegrass and the fairways tees and, and rough. Yeah, the the uh, mowing height on the approaches, what is that? That's down around a, a .250? Yeah, it's a, yeah. a quarter inch. Yeah, yeah it's nice. and. I would have no problem pulling out the Texas wedge on those. In fact, I would love that. Yeah. They're tight, and uh, in my career, I was always a big believer in, you know, the approaches and the collars are just extensions of the greens. Absolutely. And you got to give the players options to, to putt, and especially when you're coming into greens like these here, it creates a nice um, playing surface for the players. Wouldn't you agree? Agree. They need to be just as firm as the greens so that you can play shots that bounce up to the green. Um, and with them being so tight, uh, one of the advantages of overseeding with the triv is we can just throw it down. We don't have to do a lot of surface or, or canopy opening in order to get that to go. Um, so that's a big benefit versus trying to do the ryegrass. We probably have to get a bit more aggressive to open that thing up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Keith and I had a good conversation about the overseed process here. And um, it um, really mimics typical Carolina-type overseeding. And, uh, yeah, Keith was very um, open and 
informative about that. So, but that impressed me right away from the jump when I got here. Um, great stand of of rye in the rough as well, yes. and um, every nook and cranny of this place has <laughs> rye grass on it. Yeah, I guess we have some tall fescue under the trees too, right? Yes. But man, there's um, how long does it take to get all the seed down? Three days. Wow. Yeah. That's our goal usually. I think the tractors can probably do it in two, and then we kind of wrap up the rest of the time. So we, the way it works is we, we go down the hole with two teams, um, usually two drop spreaders and three push spreaders, so uh, two five-man teams and then a flagger. And they kind of push the perimeter of the hole, any fescue beds, any tree rings around greens complexes. Uh, and then the tractor seeder comes through the middle of the, goal of the hole and you know does the meat and potatoes, as we call it. We usually try to get through 1 through 18 and then a few of the out-of-play areas uh, and then get those tractor seeders out of here and then we'll handle the other out of remaining out-of-play areas uh, with our GPS spreader or with push spreaders. Are we drop spreading with the tractors or, or, or rotary spreading? It's drop spread. Drop spreading. Yeah. Okay. Wow, that's a lot of acreage to cover in three days. Those are three long days. Are you closed for that? We are closed. Yeah. Yes. And, uh, and then you, you're closed for a period after that, too, or do you open right back up? Oh, no. We're, we're closed. We're supposed to be closed Monday through Friday, but if we can get the seat down, uh, as soon as we get the seat down, we open the course back up whenever that is. If we can yep. open it up early, earlier for the membership, we try to do that. And they understand that we are watering and, and the carts are going to be on the path, but they're allowed to play uh, mm -hmm. just as soon as we get that last hole done. So you yeah. do restrict carts for how long after the seat goes down? Five days to a week, I'd say. Once it kind of comes up and yeah. you feel good about the germination, you'll let them ride out there a little bit when it's dry? As soon as we get that first fairway mower, it's usually the first thing we cut is yeah. we, we go out with the rotary mowers, and we actually set those down. I think they were at three-quarters of an inch yeah. uh, because at that point the ryegrass is almost two, two-and-a-half inches tall everywhere. Mm -hmm. So we go out with the rotary mowers just to knock it down uh, for the first pass, and as soon as the mowers go out, then it's fair game for the I guess more show. like ten days. Yeah. Ten days. That's um, the membership is probably very appreciative of that, aren't they? Yes, they are. It's a very important part of the culture here. Uh, the ability for them to use their carts and enjoy the facility, um, and we try to make every effort we can to to minimize any disruption of that. That's awful considerate of y'all here, <laughs> which is uh, an important part of Quail Hollow, right? You're trying to provide a great experience for the members here. Absolutely. And the PGA Tour players. Yes for sure well gentlemen we're going to wrap up here thank you for your time is there anything that you'd like to say or that we didn't cover well, it's been an honor being on here uh, and getting to see you this week and having you out here um, I think you're right I think you know Koala, we, we love to kind of you know not just take care of our members but take care of anyone who steps on this property and we're really blessed to have you here and, and, and have this podcast and um, all these volunteers so thank you very much it's our pleasure. On behalf of the Carolinas Golf Course Superintendents Association, um, this is what we're all about. And uh, we've uh, enjoyed being able to come to events like this and, you know, kind of let the membership and all the listeners across the world um, get an inside look at our association and the people behind it. So you two are a big part of that, and thank you. And with that, we're going to sign off, gentlemen. Thank you so much for having us. Yeah, best of luck with the rest of the tournament. Appreciate it. Thank you all for listening to another episode of Pulling Weeds, a podcast of the Carolinas Golf Course Superintendents Association. Stay tuned as we will have another episode out soon. For further information on the Carolinas GCSA, please visit our website at carolinasgcsa.org or call our office at 864-843-1150.